Moncrief on News Talk. Now, there was a time when the hovercraft was seen as the transportation mode of the future, but for various reasons, it seemed to die away, but not completely. And there are signs it might be on the way back. The only year-round hovercraft service in this part of the world is between the south of England and the Isle of Wight. Ben Avery is chief pilot with Griffin Hoverwork. Afternoon, Ben. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. Now, now I suppose uh, um, people might be wondering why uh, why are you described as a pilot? A hovercraft does fly. Yes, it's uh, from the early days of hovercraft being uh, manufactured and built and operated. Um, the original people that tested these craft uh, often came from uh, a fleet air arm background or RAF background, but with some navigating experience. And the early hovercraft manufacturers were mostly uh, companies that had built flying boats from the 1920s and 30s. Right. So so a, a hovercraft, the way it moves, it, 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 is this correct? It kind of levitates over the waves. Yeah. So the craft is riding on a cushion of air. So it's a, a relatively high pressure cushion underneath the vehicle. Um, but it's, we say relatively, it's less than one PSI is lifting the whole machine up. And uh, the, uh, and so it, it does that all the way. It never actually touches the water. That's right. It's, it's a really minimal amount of friction as it goes across. And that's what allows the craft to move so quickly. Right. OK. And the, the, it, say compared to because I think there's a, a, another service that's just a traditional boat on, on the route you uh, uh, the route you take. So what, what in terms of the how long it takes, how much quicker is the hovercraft? So the hovercraft does the crossing in, in just under 10 minutes on a good day. Uh, in fine weather, the catamaran service that takes about twenty-two minutes to do the same, uh, pretty a uh, very very similar distance across. Okay, so uh, it's it's twice as fast. And uh, how, uh, does that, and is the adva- one of the advantages of a hovercraft that you don't really need a traditional pier? Yes, uh, and that's that's one of the things which makes it quite attractive uh, to be able to operate a hovercraft is you don't need that um, same infrastructure. You can turn up and operate from a beach. In fact, the service which runs to the Isle of Wight, um, when it, it first started back in the 1960s, they literally had a caravan at each end of the route on the beach and some barriers. And the service started from, um, just like that. OK. And so you can just come up into the, uh, onto the ground kind of thing. And the, the, like, the, you know, a few decades ago, it was, it was going to be the next big thing. I do remember, I think there was a service between uh, Britain and France. What, you know, what went wrong? Now, I think, uh, I mean, that's the service that most people remember is the, the big car carrying hovercraft going across the channel. And particularly in the 1960s, that was the vision for hovercraft was that they were going to um, revolutionize uh, marine travel. There was talks about transatlantic hovercraft going to be nuclear powered carrying uh, cargo between uh, the UK and uh, America. The reality is the hovercraft, um, they they're not there to replace the, the conventional marine vessels in that sense. A hovercraft is still a fairly niche um, vehicle and it should be used uh, where you can't use a boat or it's going to be too expensive to use a helicopter. Um, a hovercraft, when they stopped operating on the cross-channel route, uh, I think a lot of people thought hovercraft had died and, and the other sort of well-known service is the one running between the Isle of Wight and the mainland. Um, hovercraft in are still used very, very widely around the world. Um, Not so much in the passenger role. They've been very busy uh, working for uh, militaries as hovercraft. Uh, There's a a very big fleet in the American uh, Navy 
with about 80 hovercraft there. Many coast guards around the world use hovercraft. Uh, they're used for search and rescue, patrol work, um, and they're used from the Arctic Circle to the Amazon River. Okay, but, but it would tend to be relatively short routes, would it? It tends to be relatively short routes. It tends to be uh, rivers, um, coastal routes, uh, sheltered routes, um, anywhere that it's, it's more difficult to put in dredge channels and that infrastructure putting in ports where it's going to be easier to operate a hovercraft um, up into those areas. And would they be very weather dependent? It, they can be. It's, uh, hovercraft prefer to operate where it's a bit more sheltered. Um, they, uh, they do cope with some fairly um, uh, lively sea states and, and winds. Um, but uh, again, if you're going to be operating in an area which is uh, uh, sort of more prevalent to those strong uh, weather conditions, um, it's, it's going to be more beneficial to use a conventional marine vessel. And the, the hovercraft you're operating, how, like how large or small, how many people can it accommodate? So the, the hovercraft that Griffin Hoverwork manufacture, we build hovercraft from um, so small sizes, which carries sort of five to six people. Uh, the largest hovercraft we build can carry up to 200. Uh, the hovercraft operating on the route between the Isle of Wight and the UK, they carry about 80 passengers. And um, we've just built three hovercraft that are going off to Japan uh, and they will carry about um, 80 passengers on each of those craft as well. OK, all right. So that's that's substantial enough. The, the, now, now, again, back in the day, one of the criticisms of it were that they were extremely noisy. Is that is that still the case? Well, I think that's the great thing where technology has moved on since those early days. And again, that, that's the legacy from older hovercraft, the cross-channel craft, which were retired in the year 2000. That was technology from the 1960s um, and using you no know, older technology than that to make it work. The craft we're using these days, um, we fit with industrial diesel engines. They're a lot more economical. Um, we can get the propellers to turn more slowly. That makes them a lot quieter. Um, and it, it has a lot of advantages now. We can now compete with those um, conventional marine craft in terms of economics and in terms of noise levels as well. And, and, and you know, in, in a world where the climate is changing, presumably that they'll have something of a role to play then. I, I think so. I, you look at the way populations are expanding. Um, there are sea levels which are uh, in certain places are rising. In other places, sea levels are dropping. And it's creating these new... Um, intertidal zones where hovercraft really thrive. And would it be, I suppose, theoretically possible to have electric-powered hovercraft? Absolutely. And again, I think that will be something which happens in the future. I mean, we've already produced um, a hybrid craft, which we have in our range currently, and we've sold to different customers around the world. That uses diesel-electric drive. The propellers are electrically driven. Um, The next stage will be to go to a fully electric craft. Um, and you'll see hovercraft being powered by hydrogen as well in the future. I think that will be uh, the next step too. Uh, are they, I don't know what the word is, uh, drive, fly, steer? Are, are they easy to uh, to operate? <laughs> well, I think the, the best way to describe it is if you've ever had a really heavy uh, shopping trolley from the supermarket and you're trying to push it towards your car in the car park and the car park's got a bit of a slope and you feel the trolley starting to run away from you, and you've got to get behind it and push it back onto the course you want to uh, aim for your car. That is that is the best way to describe driving a hovercraft, I think. 
Okay, well, that's, that does sound challenging enough then. Uh, you need a, fair, a fairly well-developed uh, biceps then to be able to do that. <laughs> you, you've, got to be, you've got to be able to read what the, uh, the conditions are doing and what the gradients are doing so you can preempt those, uh, those changes. And, and it's the same thing. You've got to get behind the controls and push the craft to where you want it to go. Oh, yeah. It's a, but, but, but while it's, it, it is hovering o- over the water, then I, I, is it wind you have to take into account when you're, when you're steering it? Yeah, it's wind and waves. They, they can all have an effect on the craft. So you've got to try and outmaneuver those environmental conditions to be able to get the craft to where you want to go. Yeah. And when, when you've mastered that, the, I mean, the controls themselves are very simple. But to master where you want the craft to go, that takes a bit more time and, and skill. But it's uh, the craft can be really very manoeuvrable. And it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to be able to drive them. Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah. Now, you've been doing with this for 20 years. Like I- any new pilots coming up, where do they train? Or, or are you the only outfit in this part of the world who would train people? So, uh, I mean, I'll, we, we do a lot of training for our customers. When they buy a new hovercraft, we do a training package. Um, some of that training is conducted in the UK. Quite often, um, we'll send instructors out to those customers and we'll do training in country as well. Um, we do the driver training. We do the engineering training. We, we provide that whole package, which is which gives that um, that operator the, a bit of confidence when they come to doing that, that operation. And the nice thing for us is we, we tend to stick with those customers right th- the way through the life of the craft. Uh, and... As you mentioned, you are you know you are in, in in the process of building new craft for various clients around the world. Have you noticed is the demand increasing? Yeah, I I think there there has been an uptick in in demand for new hovercraft. Like we mentioned earlier, we've built three um, passenger craft for Japan. To me, that's really exciting that we've got um, a customer which is going to operate these craft on another scheduled year round service, which should start at the end of this year. Yeah, um, and that's on a route that did have hovercraft up until the early two thousands, and stopped. And they they decided to put in different infrastructure, um, which has become overwhelmed. And they've decided to go back to using hovercraft. And I think we will start to see now that hovercraft are becoming more, um, the craft we're building are becoming more competitive um, in terms of economics. I think that will become more common. Uh, and so, while well, say theoretically, could a, could a hovercraft uh, um, do the Irish Sea? fairly easily or would that be too choppy i i think again we on each route that we look at we take into account all those factors the irish sea probably be a bit a uh, bit exposed but uh, that's not to say there wouldn't be routes within ireland which would be more more acceptable no coastal routes rather than going mm. uh, across across the irish sea ben thanks a million for speaking with us today that's ben avery there chief pilot with griffin hoverwork uh the uh, someone says many years ago i was on a hovercraft from England to Calais with the girl guides. The pilot mentioned how calm the sea was, but still, I spent the entire journey with my head in a bag throwing up. Well, that may be... Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know because it's not being hit by the waves. So does it mean it's kind of fairly level? Because uh, you don't get that rocking motion. Uh, someone else, Michael says, I had an action man hovercraft as a child. Yeah, they were cool. Uh, Dublin could do with a magnetic levitation monorail. Of course it could. We have loads of money. And uh, someone else says, cushion of air. That freaks me out. Uh, Really? That sounds kind of lovely and kind of comforting, uh, slightly. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.